In the previous lessons, we discussed the importance of joy, simcha. And we explained how if a person is sad or depressed, how this indicates a lack of trust and, and recognition of how the world is completely uh, controlled and supervised by God. And we explain how being depressed and being sad, how it has a tremendous negative effect on the person spiritually and consequently physically. However, in this lesson, we'd like to bring out another point, a deeper point in understanding the importance of simcha, of joy. And that is that the importance of joy is not only to avoid and to prevent the negative and devastating effects of depression, of sadness. But joy in itself, in its own merit, is an extremely positive practice. In other words, just like one serves God through love, and one serves God by experiencing awe for God and serves God through many different ways. Simcha in itself, joy in itself, is one of the ways that a person serves God. And all the mitzvahs, all the good deeds that a person does, and all the activities that one does as his expression of connecting to Hashem should be inspired with joy and with simcha. And only then is it really in its highest and deepest level. We find, first of all, that it says in Psalms, Ivdu es Hashem besimcha, which means you should serve God with joy. It's also found in Maimonides, where he discusses the laws of, of uh, the holidays, specifically the holiday of Sukkot, and talks about the importance of joy, how joy is considered an extremely high and deep level of serving God. And we also find an incredible thing in reference to a prophet. That before a prophet can receive his prophecy, there were a number of things that were considered conditions in order for the prophet to be able to be able to experience this spiritual experience of prophecy. And one of the conditions were simcha that God's presence will not dwell upon the prophet, he will not receive his prophecy, he will not be able to have this, have this uh, special spiritual experience unless he's besimcha, unless he's happy. And we find this also in the temple. The Beis HaMikdash, the holy temple, which was the holiest place in the world, and this was the place which the greatest level of service to God took place there, one of the activities and services in the Beis HaMikdash was simcha, joy. And during the services, the Levian used to either sing songs or play with instruments. Actually, there were both. There were some Levian that sang songs uh, vocally, and there were some that played with instruments. 
and simcha in order for was necessary in order for God's presence to be brought down and to be revealed in the holy temple. We all know that Shabbos and Yontif, which are the holiest times of the year, the holiest days of the holiest day of the week, how is it experienced? What is emphasis on that day? Simcha. It has to be joy. And we do all sorts of things to stimulate simcha, to stimulate joy. So we see from this that being happy in itself is considered a practice which brings one closer to God. It's a way of serving God and becoming closer to Hashem. And all other activities in Yiddishkeit should be inspired with simcha, with joy. When we go a step further, we find not only that simcha is an important feature in, in a Jew's service to God, but in a sense, serving Hashem with simcha, being besimcha, being happy and being joyful, is in a certain way considered higher than all other levels and all other ways of serving God. There's a story told about Rebbe Levi Yitzhak Abaditchev that it was once Erev Yom Kippur, the day before Yom Kippur, and there was a Jew in that city that was arrested by the pirates, who was a prince who owned that territory. The Jew hadn't paid him rent for a long period of time. In those days, these princes were very powerful. They were like kings in their territories. He locked up this Jewish innkeeper and his family, and he told the Jewish community that unless they present him with 300 rubles, which is the amount of money that he owed, it was a large sum in those days, this Jew and his family will rot away in his cellar. Which we know that this is considered one of the greatest mitzvahs called Pidyin Shvoyin, which means to redeem a Jew which is held in captivity in, 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 in such circumstances. So one of the Jews in the shul of, 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 uh, one of the Jews in the city of Barditchev took it upon himself and he said that he's going to collect the money to have this family redeemed. He knew it's an enormous sum, something which is way beyond his head, but nevertheless, he's going to make the effort. It'll take him a few weeks, maybe a few months, but eventually he's going to get that money together. And hopefully he'll get the money together in time to save the family, that they'll be able to survive all the suffering during this period. He goes around collecting. It was the Erev Yom Kippur. That night was the night of Kol Nidre. The natural people were more sensitive. And this one gave him a little bit, and that one gave him a little bit. And after going around and collecting for a few hours, he managed to gather together a few rubles. Then he comes to a table where he sees that there are Jewish people sitting there, gambling, playing cards. True, that night was the night of Konidre. But obviously these people were not really interested so much in Konidre. They were playing cards, drinking whiskey, and gambling. He walks over to one of the tables and says to them, Why don't you do something more constructive with your money? It's Konidre tonight. Here is this family which is in terrible need. Please help me. And give some of the money that you're wasting over here for, for a good purpose. At first they just pushed him away. Then one of them says, you know what? You see this whiskey standing here on the table? There was a bottle there of 190 proof. And they say to him, if you drink a glass of this 190 proof whiskey, 
will collect from our table alone 100 rubles. The gut reaction of the chassid was, how can I drink whiskey? 190 proof today when Konidu is there tonight. I mean, that will be the end of my night. The second thought came to him and said, wait a second, if they give me 100 rubles, that's a third of the amount that I need to save this family. So should I be concerned about having a more spiritual Yom Kippur or should I do everything I can to save the family? Well, 100 rubles, I can get this family out weeks earlier. It'll take me who knows how long to collect that kind of money. And finally, he made the decision he's going to drink the glass of vodka of 190 proof and I'll give him 100 rubles so he'll be able to save this family and get them out of captivity a few weeks earlier. And so he did and they kept their word. He wobbled over to the next table and says to them, You see your friends? They just gave me 100 rubles. Why don't you do the same? And of course they had a good laugh and they said, You know what? We'll do the same, but you have to do the same too. If you drink a glass of vodka of this 190 proof, we'll give you 100 rubles. And the chassid began to plead with them and beg them, said, Please, tonight is called Nidre. You're going to give the money anyway. Why don't you just give the money and please don't, don't make me do this? As it is, I'm going to be dizzy tonight. But if I drink another glass, I'm just going to be out. And the people demanded their entertainment. They said, listen, either you drink it or else goodbye. And again he began to think, so what's more important? Should I think of myself, that I'm going to have a more of a spiritual experience on Yom Kippur, and if I drink another glass, I won't? Or should I think of this family that can be released from their captivity even weeks earlier than I figured because now I'm going to have 200 rubles, two-thirds of the amount. And now, especially with the help of the first glass of vodka, he made his decision that it's more important for me to get this family out than to think about my own personal spiritual experiences. Gave them the entertainment, drank the glass of vodka, they gave him the 100 rubles, and everybody was happy. He finally wobbles over to a third table and make them the same offer, and they make him the same offer. And now he's beginning to think, this is it. If I drink one more glass of this 190 proof, I'm going to be sleeping for the next 24 hours. I won't even have Yom Kippur in my life this year. Should I do it or not? But he didn't have to think too much after the first two glasses. His thinking process was very clear. I have to think about the family. I can get this family out today. I, nothing else can stand in my way. He drank a third glass. They gave him the 100 ruble. He had the total sum of 300 ruble, which he needed, to get this family out. And he said to the people, please do me one favor. Just somebody help me get over to the home of this prince. And I'll give him the money and he'll release the family. That's all I ask of you. They did him the favor. They schlepped him over to the house of the prince. He was very pleased to get his 300 rubles and the family was released. Naturally, they were very happy, and the man, the father, ran over to the uh, to this Jew, and he hugged him and kissed him and thanked him, but the Jew didn't want to hear of anything. He said, please do me one favor. One favor I ask of you. I'm not going to really have a Yom Kippur this year, but at least schlep me over to the shul, put me down on one of the benches, so I'll sleep in the atmosphere of Yom Kippur. At least that. And of course... He fulfilled his request, slept him over to the shul, he lied down on the bench, and he was sleeping.
during this time, all the people come to shul, the night of Konidre, they get together, and the shul is storming with, with prayers, as it is in every shul on the night of Yom Kippur, the night of Konidre. From all the noise, he wakes up. When he wakes up, he sees that the people are standing with the Torah scrolls in their hand, because that's what you do when you say Konidre that the people are standing up front with Torah clothes in their hand. The first thing that came to his confused mind was, ah, it must be Simcha's Torah tonight. And he jumped up from his bench, ran up to the middle of the shul, on the bimah, on the platform where everybody was standing, and he began to shout, Uma Torah which is customary to do on Simcha's Torah. And everybody looked at him in amazement. What's wrong with this Jew? It's Yom Kippur tonight, Kol Nidre. He's drunk. Who ever heard of such a thing? And they're about to grab him and just throw him out of the shul. Suddenly the Rebbe, Rebbe Yitzhak of Adichev, turned around and said, Nobody should touch him. He has the right to do what he's doing. And they let him be. Later, they asked Rebbe Yitzhak of Adichev for an explanation. How come he allowed this person to run around the shul in such a way during Kol Nidre. Rebbe Lev Yitzchak, because he was a tzaddik, spiritual person, he, was, he knew the whole story. He knew what this man went through. So he said to the congregation that actually this time of the year that we have so many holidays together, there's Rosh Hashanah, there's Yom Kippur, there's Sukkot, there's Simchas Torah, it's not just a technical fact that different holidays happen to be bunched together in the same time of the year. But they're all connected. And it's like one structure. And in fact, during this whole period, we're climbing a spiritual ladder. And he explained how the month of Elul, the last month in the Jewish calendar, is a preparation for Rosh Hashanah. And when one experiences and goes through this month the way one should, this is a stepping stone to be able to enter into the realm of Rosh Hashanah. The experience of Rosh Hashanah is a stepping stone that leads us into the ten days of penitence. The ten days of penitence lead us into Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a stepping stone which leads us into Sukkot. And finally, Sukkot, this is the stepping stone that leads us into the final day, which is Simchas Torah. And he said, this Jew, because he had this great Messias Nefesh, self-sacrifice, he was ready to give up his Yom Kippur in order to save another family. This promoted him to such a level that he jumped over all these levels, and now he was up to Simchas Torah. In other words, the Rebbe was saying that he was all the way at the end, at the top of the ladder, through the things that he did. There are a lot of things we can learn from this story, but one of the points which are related to the topic which we're discussing now is the fact that we see here the spiritual ladder, and each holiday is considered a stepping stone to the next, and what's the last thing in the month, and what's the highest thing? Simchas Torah. What is Simchas Torah? How does one observe Simcha's Torah? It's basically dancing and singing with the Torah scrolls. Simcha, joy. That is the theme and that is the main feature of this holiday. 
So we see from this that you have Rosh Hashanah, you have Yom Kippur, these are the days of awe, the holiest days of the year, and nevertheless, in a certain aspect, Simcha's Torah is considered even higher than Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That means that serving God with joy and experiencing Simcha is the highest on this ladder of spiritual connection to God. How can we explain this? Why? On the surface it appears to be differently. In Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, when a person is repenting and crying over the, the negative that he did and wanting to become closer to God, these are feelings which we can really strongly identify with as being a tremendous spiritual experience. But just singing and dancing, how is that so spiritual? Plus the fact that how would this be considered so spiritual that it's even greater and higher to a certain extent than Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? But the answer is, as we explained in the previous lessons, that the essence of a Jew's connection to God is bittle. And we explained what does bittle mean. It means the connection is when a Jew feels one with God. In other words, when he doesn't recognize and doesn't feel himself as a separate, independent identity. And God is a separate, independent identity. But he feels that he and God are one. Meaning to say he recognizes how the whole world, and himself included, are manifestations and expression and extension of godliness. And there is only one identity exclusively in creation, which is God himself. And therefore he recognizes that his true identity is not what he feels as an independent individual, but his true identity is God and the godliness that's within him. And the fact that we observe mitzvahs, and every mitzvah that we do, is there to express this concept and to intensify that oneness. So therefore, in terms of one's connection to God and service to God, the main point that determines how close you are is the more you feel yourself, the more you feel your independence, your independent identity, the further you're away from God. And the less you feel that yesh, the term we used in the previous lessons, yesh meaning that independency, that feeling of, of me being an individual separate from God, a separate identity, that makes me further from God. So the fact that we have 613 mitzvahs, 613 commandments, precepts, they're all there to be 613 different ways, 613 different avenues to intensify that oneness of God. And therefore, in a certain way, Simcha, joy, is the strongest and most powerful demonstration of this oneness. And as we explained in the previous lesson, that what does Simcha mean, and how is it possible for one to really, truly be happy, that is when a person is able to transcend his ego, transcend his, his personal identity, and recognize that there's something deeper and greater beyond him, which is God and the godliness which is within him. As we explained in the previous lesson, the difference between simcha, which is joy, and that's a positive thing, and hoylalus, which is frivolity, which is also being happy and singing and dancing, but that's a negative thing. And we explained how both of them can only be possible when a person lets go of himself. The only difference is there's two kinds of letting go.
One kind of letting go is going down, becoming less than what I really am. And that's when a person is frivolous, comes wild, either through drinking or taking drugs or other methods which make the person forget about himself. That means that he's becoming less than what he really is. He's becoming an animal. He's throwing off all responsibility, forgetting about anything that has meaning and content and purpose. And that's how he could be happy, because he's becoming nothing. He's, he's completely, totally letting go of himself. That's a destructive letting go of himself. And that's why the consequences of this kind of experience is usually destructive. Destroys himself, his family, people are hurt, and so on. Simcha, joy, is also letting go of yourself, but in the opposite way. The only way a person could experience true joy is when he lets go of himself, but that's by going above and beyond himself, by transcending his ego and connecting to something which is above himself, which is God. Connecting to something which is deeper than his ego, and that's his real personality and real identity, and that's the godly identity within him. As this was explained at length, in the previous lesson. So therefore, we can say that Simcha is really the highest level of connection to God. Because when a person does a mitzvah, a good deed, he gives charity, true, that's giving away from myself. But nevertheless, I'm not totally letting go. And there's still that certain sense of satisfaction that I am giving charity. There's still some connection to me there. And the same thing with all the other mitzvahs. Even mitzvahs like tshuva, repentance, or when a person is experiencing love for God, true, feeling love for God basically means that you're getting out of yourself and you're connecting to God. Love is connection. But still there's that feeling of, I have love for God. However, when it comes to simcha, as we explained before, the only way a person can truly experience simcha is he completely and totally lets go of himself. And he just connects to God and transcends himself totally. Only then can he be besimcha. Otherwise, there are always things that are weighing him down, whether it's physical things, materialistic things, spiritual things. And the only way you can be besimcha is by just totally transcending yourself and just connecting to something higher, as if I don't exist. In a positive way, of course. So this is one of the explanations why simcha is considered the highest level of service to God. And simcha, joy, is something one should make an effort to, to uh, accomplish, to be able to reach that level, to be able to experience joy, not only because this will avoid depression or this will prevent them from becoming sad and all the things that will result from that, but simcha in itself and its own merit is the strongest and most powerful expression of oneness with Hashem, the most powerful expression of bittu. There's another thing which is another dimension to Simcha and is a great quality connected to Simcha to joy is that as the rabbis tell us Simcha parades together which means joy breaks all barriers which means that one of the results of Simcha is that when a person is happy this Simcha, this joy is something which is full of energy and it breaks all barriers that stand in the way. As the example is given, that when people are happy, they can overcome certain weaknesses that in ordinary circumstances they can't. Everybody has their limitations. Everybody has their weaknesses. And they stand in the way like barriers. It doesn't let me 
go further. It stands in my way. But when a person's besimchi, he finds himself able to jump right through those barriers. The barriers are broken. We see, for example, a king that on the day of a great simcha, either the day that he was crowned as a king or the day that he's marrying off his son or his daughter, one of the things kings used to do was, on those days, pardon prisoners. What is the connection to pardon prisoners with a wedding of a son or a daughter? But when the king is besimcha, what it does to the king is he wants to break through barriers, break through walls, break through limitations, things that stand in the way. And that's done, one of the things that express this is the pardoning of prisoners. Which, even though in ordinary circumstances, he would be held and locked up in jail, but because he's besimcha, he breaks right through that. And the same thing on a personal level. Simcha generates energy. Simcha generates uh, a, a tremendous sense of, 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 being, of productiveness, of growth, of going forward, of movement, and breaks through all barriers. So Simcha is not just, in a sense, forgetting about the problem and pretending the problem doesn't exist, but Simcha in itself is the motor, so to speak, that gets me going to be able to overcome the problem because Simcha generates energy. And those weaknesses, they themselves that are causing all the aggravation and weighing me down and bringing me down, when I am the Simcha, that itself stimulates and generates such energy which helps me break through these barriers and break through these boundaries. In fact, we see an interesting thing, that this is something which the secular world is beginning to recognize, the power of joy. And there are some researchers that have found that even in terms of physical weaknesses, in terms of diseases, God forbid, physical condition, that Simcha has the power to cure. They call it healing with laughter. And they found that people who had certain conditions, certain diseases, that medically nothing could be done. And when the people were put into a frame of mind of, of joy and were caused to be very happy, continuously they found that they were cured. And they explained that this joy, this stimulated such energy within the person that it destroyed, it shattered completely the disease that was within them physically. And so this definitely is the, the uh, concept, which is a basic concept in Hasidic philosophy and definitely applies to the person on a spiritual level, that we have certain weaknesses, certain limitations, and they are the source of our problems, things that weigh us down. So when a person is besimcha, not only is it like ignoring the problem and just going on with my life, but the simcha does more than that. Simcha pored gedda. The simcha itself helps me break through, ram through that problem, break all barriers, and that's where I can overcome the problem and, and live and continue to live a productive life and grow further and further. There's another dimension to Simcha, which is also based on, on Hasidic philosophy, and that's the concept of how Simcha, when a person is besimcha, when a person is happy, what this accomplishes on the spiritual realm and how that brings more blessing into his life. And this too will explain how Simcha in its own merit is an extremely positive thing and something one should strive to, to, to be able to reach. As we will explain this in the next lesson.